Hello, hello, and welcome back to a brand new episode of SG Explain. We do have a special guest joining us, and honestly, I have so much to say before inviting him on. Let's just reveal who it is: Gabriel Young of Young Out Here. Yay, welcome, welcome. Gabe. Yeah, welcome. so um, obviously hello, hello, from the you. title of the episode, it might or might not be like a part two to 377A if you already heard the episode on SG Explained. But I think today I just really wanted to take the opportunity given like current times and all and the National Day Rally, the biggest announcement of the year, just to kind of like open up the conversation, like what's next from here on out. And I thought... You know, us three heterosexual people, like we shouldn't be speaking for the community, right? And our job today is like yes. to listen, to understand, because I do think fundamentally that's how social change happens, right? It starts from the ground up, just listening. So I thought, you know, there's no better yeah. person to bring on to the show today than someone who is active in the community. In fact, uh, Gabriel, he's actually a representative from, you know, the local LGBTQ plus youth support and engagement group, Young Out Here. And and actually, Benjamin Shre, some of you might know him. He is uh, the co-founder of the group. And he sent Gabriel my way. And it was so insane because Gabriel and I go way back. <laughs> and we used to go to school together. And the fact that we are meeting here oh, in wow. the industry is nice. insane. What was me and Mike as a kid, uh, Gabriel? Give us a, a go. Gabriel, you better get a story straight. <laughs> I, okay, so like, I knew me and through like the faculty club. And she was the president at that time. So like that's how we got to know one another but apart from that we were in the same course that's no longer around hey, but I think our teachers would be very proud to see like what we're doing here today and it's great to have you because I feel like um, well obviously our chemistry is there so there's no like ice that needs to be broken melted. Yeah. Yes, it's broken by then. Hey, yeah, <laughs> you were, makes sense. Yeah, you were a DJ. Come on, man. Like this, <laughs> freezes, bro. Okay. All right. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we don't want to steal the show. Maybe Gabriel, you can start us off by just uh, sharing with our audience. You know what you do in the group. So maybe just to give a bit of context, right? Like what Young Out Here is a youth support group. Uh, on its own, that's the bread and butter of the, the program or the organization. Like, it's been like that for the last 16 years. Before I delve into anything that is um, YOH related, I just wanted to say like a big hello to everybody and thanks for having us on the podcast. It really means a lot to have allies just providing spaces Aww. for people to just speak up and elevating that um, much appreciated and much needed also. We think about why the whole organization came to be in the first place, right? We need to look at the nature or the environment or the landscape for support mm -hmm. for queer use, right? So if you look at the idea of support for queer use 16 years ago, the environment was very different. Most of the support services that were going strong back then uh, were predominantly catered towards gay adults. And then most of them were also operating in single-sex spaces. Apart from those services, would usually we require some monetary remuneration. The other thing was um, the bar and club scene, of course, right? That was thriving. Mm. It's not as though that there wasn't any space that provides spaces for people to connect with one another. But like, I think when Ben and the other two founders came together to create Young Out Here, the whole point was that for younger queer people in particular, younger LGBTQ plus people in particular, like there wasn't enough safe spaces. And that's why Young Out Here came about. Very awesome. This is an awesome sort of opportunity to just chat with you, Gabriel, because as Mian mentioned in season one of this podcast, William and I uh, did an episode on 377A, two straight guys who were doing this. <laughs> what was interesting was that we recognized back then that it, 
you know, our voice on this conversation is incomplete, right? Because we're just too straight, right? So if you're going to listen to the episode or if any of the audience members want to go listen to, we try to, you know, go around the edge, right? Because we just look at it from a legal lens, try to talk about it from a, from a very legal sort of sense. But, you know, there was definitely this missing component of like really at the end of the day, right? What's the, what's the impact on real people who live in Singapore, right? Our fellow Singaporeans who live alongside us. Uh, and it's great to hear, uh, I guess, the, the fact that there's been more spaces being created, especially since six years ago, for people of all demographics in some ways. I think there's sort of a, a notion that actually all LGBTQ plus people are one type, but actually they're not, right? Like not everyone wants to go to a bar, not everyone wants to go to a certain place. You need sort of diversity mm-hmm. within that community. So curious to know, right, for young out here, like what what sort of your target audience and approach? I think like when we speak about safe spaces in general for queer people, right? Like I guess because of the nature of LGBTQ advocacy, like a lot of spaces were relegated underground. Like it's it's part of our history, right? Because you mm-hmm. can't be out when we look at like the whole history of queer politics in general and advocacy and things like that, right? Like it was always like you were either policed or like legality-wise, it's always not great for you to be openly queer, right? So that's why um a lot of these spaces were underground and were sort of like covert operations always in the dark in the dark of night that goes into like um, the target audience that we look at so I know in Singapore when we talk about youth right like up to 32 we are considered youth (laughs) I joined the program when I was 16 and actually I was one of the younger participants to join back then I would generally say like the mix is quite diverse I would say like the range by right it should be like 16 to like 24, 25, but we've had people who fall under and people fall outside of their age range come to us and join the support group. The approach towards the programming in general is that for the last, I think, 16 years, the bulk of it has always been an in-face support group program. And it's a closed support group program. So what that means is that there's actually sort of like an interviewing process where we meet participants and then all potential participants and then after that, um, we ask a couple, couple of questions. We sort of suss out like what their support network is like or how does the support look like for them externally and internally. From there on out, um, we'll craft a group like, about maybe about from 10 to 16. That's usually like the amount of people. So the whole basis of the group, because like it's a non-profit, right? So we don't get paid when we do this. It's all out of voluntary hours. Then the training is usually provided by Ben who has done counseling previously. For example, when I joined the run in oh my god when i was 16 that was 12 years ago so like uh taking all levels i knew after the first session that i wanted to come back to help out to facilitate so obviously for do you have people who are running the group program right to help create this sort of safe space for the kids every two weeks we do a catch-up over three to four hours uh, each bi-weekly catch-up has a specific theme right it can range from very very funny things like media representation or like I know that for us like a very big part of what we do is that for every run or every edition of the support group program there's always a sexual health one because we don't get comprehensive queer sexual health in schools so there's an actual doctor who comes in to talk about that is so important usually like we have 12 different sessions so it's actually very comprehensive like you meet every two weeks for across a period of six months for us the main draw was that it was a mixed space so like i mentioned previously like 2006 right like 2006 a lot of the services that were being provided were single sex spaces so it's like if you're male you go to this particular organization or if you're female you go to this particular and i don't think there's anything wrong with that like even though queer people like have some sort of 
overarching lived experience, we are still individuals at the end of the day, right? So people of a similar gender will experience similar things, you know. Um, but I think with Ben and the two other founders, when they crafted the program, they really wanted queer people of different genders, sexualities, out levels to sort of learn from one another, right? I think for us, like big things will always include like coming out, family, dating and relationships. And then like I mentioned just now, like queer sexual health support. Generally, those will be the main pillars of the program. You can see our faces now. The three of us are just like, oh my gosh, you're doing so much for the community just to like show support for one another. I was thinking about a conversation I was a part of maybe two, three months ago where it was sort of a cross perspective conversation, right? So you had folks who from sort of the conservative community, folks who are middle of spectrum and folks who are definitely very much pro LGBTQ issues. And I thought one idea that, that seemed quite common was that a lot of people as they grew up, especially people who had same sex attraction at, at some point in their life, right? Would always lament that actually they never found a space, especially as a young adult. And the worst thing was that they never found a space anywhere, right? They didn't find a space within their own faith communities. They couldn't even find a space mm-hmm. inside of the public at large. And I think what Young Out Here is trying to do is actually provide a space, an option space, for people who want to talk to other queer youth, right? Or people who are probably exploring what it means to be queer. To be honest, right? Like I was, I sort of knew I was queer, like from a very early age, like. I think there's this very famous, in, like in my inner friends, right? Like this fam- very young photo, very old, famous photo of me. Like I'm holding like very long balloon. So like, they, they, like you know, like those type that where they can mow into like animal shapes. Right? So it was, it wasn't molded. It was just very long. Then like, it's an inside joke like that. Like from the get go, everybody saw a new already, right? Like I was out the gate. gate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think when I joined YOH for the programming in particular, right, it wasn't even me who sort of like, when to find it. I, it just so happened that I had another, well, now ex-friend who's, who happened to be very closeted at the time. I thought he was like my only straight friend. <laughs> when he wasn't out yet. <laughs> my only straight guy friend. <laughs> like, because I usually hung around girls, right? So he decided to like send me a link to an online platform that was quite active called Trevi last time, um, back in the early 2000s for gay men to sort of get to know people. So um, Young Out Here had one of their, they were just going to launch or they were just going to, I guess, execute the fourth run. And when I decided to click in and then sign up for it, right, because in my head I was like, oh my God, I'm actually like below 18. I don't know whether I can go or not. Um, my headspace was that um, I had really good friends, you know, like they were wonderful, quite fully accepting. and um, But I just sort of felt like... Um, I didn't really have anybody to talk to about queer specific issues. Like so I mean like I would giggle and gaggle with the girls about like, oh my god, this guy very cute, ah. like ha 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 like oh you like this guy, ha 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 ha. But then like that sort of <laughs> it wasn't really fully like You couldn't really dwell into like the issues, the concerns that correct, they correct. might not even experience, correct, right? Correct. And it's very difficult to sort of bring it across when you're like what, sixteen? I think when we are sixteen, it's just like, oh my god, like I like you, you like me. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that's for it. sure. It's quite straightforward. But I think for queer people, there's always added obstacles in it. Like if I come out or like if I tell this person that I like, firstly, it's like rejection for not liking. Secondly, it's like, what if like the whole world suddenly know that I like guys? I decided like, okay, maybe it might be good to just find 
a small group of queer people or LGBTQ plus people. Because, I mean, when you're 16, and I'm not the type to like have out, have out, go clubbing, you know, like. like I'm, I'm <laughs> not like Rovic, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that, but I, I'm just super awkward in clubs. I remember like when I used to go clubs for as part of events, right? Like people be like, unstu, unstu, then your hand go up, right? But then suddenly, awkwardly, <laughs> my hand will come down. Then don't really know how to vibe. So uh, I think that naturally led me to look for like a separate space to go and find people. And it's interesting that you brought up that as part mm. of the conversation that you had, right? A lot of people don't seem to find those spaces, even though like right now in, I guess in 2022, a lot of these spaces are actually more readily available. And I think there's also the benefit of having online spaces where there's a lot of anonymity, right? Where you don't actually have to be physically present or come out. Yeah, but it's quite interesting to hear because I think it's something that the the queer community internally, right? Like we struggle a lot with because the last run that I was a part of facilitating, there were a lot of people that dropped out. So we thought like, oh, maybe like people don't need support group anymore. But then like actually like when you hear the news on the ground, right? It's like people still feel disconnected. And they don't feel like they have a strong group of friends where they can come together to share things. Despite the solidarity, you know, finding the right community is still a struggle at times. La. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure like a lot of us can empathize with just trying to fit in and find the right people to vibe and click with, right, all the time. I mean, with that, I guess the announcement, it's, it's not a secret anymore. I mean, now we're repealing 377A, <laughs> right? <Yay>. <laughs> claps, claps, claps. Claps, yeah, big claps all around. Just for everyone, anyone who's not familiar with 377A, if you aren't familiar, I mean, either you're from not around or you live under a rock. Section 377A of the Penal Code basically criminalizes sex between men. And a quick recap of what was announced at the National Day Rally uh, was that PM Lee said he hoped the repeal would provide some relief to gay Singaporeans. And it is a huge step forward to many in Singapore. Now, uh, quoting a published article from South China Morning Post, the decision is of landmark significance as, uh, according to lawyer and activist Remy Chu, quote, with the repeal of uh, Section 377A, LGBTQ Singaporeans will no longer be considered criminals in the eyes of the law, which obviously for, for I think most of us in this conversation here, you know, we've known this for quite a while and we've been pretty strong advocates of it. Now, repealing this was a common goal and a collective effort between allies such as, of course, YOH, uh, Uga Chaga, The T Project, Pink.SG, uh, of course, just you kind of name a few uh, organizations behind that. So maybe my question to Gabriel would be like, what was the moment like when, you know, it was announced on national television uh, that the community has been heard and that 377A would be repealed? What, what was your experience like? Because we're in the community circle, right? Like we sort of had whispers through the grapevine that something was going to be done during Ooh, national interview. That, so was insider, already, that was insider yeah, was knowledge. Like, like, Pepper, pepper here, pepper, pepper there. So on my own, like when I was at work, I was just like, oh, okay, it's out. Okay, okay, like go back to work. <laughs> and then... This is the kind of story I was hoping to hear. It's like, it's like you know, no fireworks. Just like... Just another just Sunday. Another day. Yeah, just another day working. Just another day, like serving customers and like, you know, doing my own thing. Yeah, But um, I think... After that, when like I got off work and then I was like checking my phone, like obviously like there was a lot of, in my own group chats, like everything was buzzing, right? Like cause it was such a big announcement. Um, I think when we look at what the repeal signifies, right? Like there are different parts to it. So there's entirely like a large older generation of queer people in Singapore who sat through major events like entrapment and also like bar raids. Mm-hmm. So if you think about what 
um, the repeal means to them, right? Like, I think it's definitely oh, an important yeah. milestone. Um, it's def- it should definitely be commemorated and celebrated. And I often think about, like, the activists that are no longer here with us, you know, who have worked tirelessly for this moment. Like, what would it mean to them if they were here present today to see or to even hear about 377A getting repealed, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Mm. The whole thing is quite nice in that sense where you allow them the space to heal or start or to even begin healing, right? For the next generation of queer youth, I think now that you're finally no longer a criminal, I mean, like, the law wasn't the one, like, stopping them from having sex anyways. For the next generation of queer youth, like, I think there's this idea of easing the coming out process, right? And allowing all of us to lead lives that are truer to who we want to be. There are knockoff effects or knock-on effects on their identity and also their mental health. And those should never be like undervalued or should be forgotten. I remember when I was speaking to Ben, um, he was telling me like, he was speaking to one of his friends. Yeah, actually when it was announced, it's just like, oh, like, hello, it's repute already. But um, the next day, right, when he woke up, he felt just this lightness of being. Milan Kundera, yeah. What a great, what a great idea. For a large majority of LGBTQ plus people in Singapore, right? And for a lot of them who are not out, because not everybody has the privilege of being out as well. I, I acknowledge that like being out is also a privilege because if like your spaces aren't safe enough for you to be out and if you're just thinking about survival, like hearing that news, it's like, oh my God, there's at least one less thing against me or at least one less thing that I need to go against, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That the weight has finally been lifted off all of their shoulders. So I think it also signals that there's a possibility for all of us to lead fuller lives. Lah. It became a little bit more real, you know, like that, oh, we can actually like be gay and Singaporean at the same time. I'm starting to wonder, you know, like how this opens up the debate on whether this this repeal itself would truly open up the door for further inclusion for gay Singaporeans, right? Like for the entire LGBTQ plus community. Do you think there's this does a lot or do you think it kind of like stops here for now? On an individual level, for me, I think we should celebrate the win. The work never really stops for uh, equality or equity, right? I think when you're part of minority identities or groups, and this is not just like relegated to sexuality or gender, right? It comes in all forms. Those intersecting parts of your whole identity always gives rise to different lived experiences. And I think the best way to put it would be that there's always things that can be further done to better support individuals who are the most disenfranchised and disproportionate within our community or all society in general, right? The discrimination won't end one. Um, I think that even right before the repeal, I think maybe early this year, there were so many things that came up. And I think recently it was like the Hua Chong, uh, the Hua Chong institution thing about like the counselor spotting nonsense then um, I think a very major one that was in the public eye because if you think about Hua Chong I guess schools are behind closed doors right like only the people in the school know what's happening but nowadays everything's on social media Um, the one that I think was very big was like the Samsung ad that got pulled so I think like oh, just because no. 377A is repealed like it's, I'm not saying like don't pop champagne and don't pop the pop like firecrackers and celebrate like but this is like just the beginning yeah it's just like a soft first step because there's a lot of other things that we need to work on, um, especially with what was announced during the National Day Rally. No, and I think it harks back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, the healing process is long because we're easing in conversation. We're allowing more space to be held. So you might want like 10%, but you know, we can always, it's still not enough, in, even definitely, in my own society. One of the ways that I reacted to the news, obviously I was, I was very happy. I called my wife. I said, like, oh, wow. 
I can't believe I can't believe they did it. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I had friends in the news and I was like, oh my gosh, guys, it happened. And then they're like, yeah, I knew yesterday. I was like, well, I'll race, race, and you'll never share. And they said, <laughs> <laughs> and they said embargo. And I was like, okay, 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 fair enough, fair enough. But one of the things which kind of like threw me off a little bit was also like, you know, just seeing the kind of uh pushback against it, right? There's a lot mm. of other kinds of rhetoric uh going along about how and I, I think this isn't very far from uh what PMD also said that the constitution would be amended to like protect the definition of marriage from being challenged constitutionally in the courts. And I think this rhetoric was also propagated very strongly on Facebook. You know, my favorite place on earth, the comment section of uh, the Straits Times articles. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great source if you're a comedian, honestly. Like there's so much, Hot mess. So much good stuff. But yeah, the, the, besides the point, with the announcement also comes the counter. So this added announcement almost seemed to overshadow like the collective joy over the repeal. And with that, I think it's a pretty dangerous narrative that was being introduced over the next few days, this whole uh, family versus LGBT uh, sort of narrative. A lot of people very close to me have always been uh, closeted as well, right? They've they've Mm. never been able to come out safely. So while I wanted to celebrate alongside them, there is a certain bittersweetness. You're happy, but you're also very sad at the same time. That was the kind of like feelings I was getting. Just reflecting on what you said, Gabriel, it just affirms why I wanted to bring on someone who is from the community and who, you know, has seen their fair share of not just their own experiences, but like the queer community, right? Their own loved ones going through very similar experiences. Like even if Al Rove and myself, we say, yeah, we're allies and we're going to, we're going to be like objective here and, you know, celebrate the news. I don't think it's still an accurate enough depiction of like the real sentiments of people in the community. Because when I hear you talk about, I guess like weighing out reactions to it, you know, there's like a little bit of, of course there's joy, but there's also that part that's like, yeah, I mean, I'm a bit like desensitized to it. Mm -hmm. And there's also like the, oh, like what's next? You know, there's a lot of apprehension, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I love that, you know, you're here to kind of just give the rest of us, whether we're allies or not, just like a glimpse of, you know, what's happening within the community. How are, how are you guys responding to it? And I think, yeah, the family versus LGBT narrative, like honestly, quite surprising to me. I was like, huh, that quick, uh, guys, you don't even want to give them one freaking night to pop some champagne. You want to bring this up now. (laughs) And, you know, I think one of the things that like I, I couldn't see past was the word that they used, right. To like in the announcement, the second part of it, which was, to protect yeah, marriage. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when you when you use the word protect, it usually comes with the context of protecting against something, right? That could destroy something that's important, that's good. And which in this case, when you say protect marriage, it's like, if this repeal of this decision was to build a more inclusive Singapore, then your second line just kind of divides um, again, you know? Yeah. So I think that for me, like, even though I'm, I'm like heterosexual, like I felt very... I don't know. I just felt like, mm, you know, if I was here, cel- like if I was in the community and I was celebrating and I and I read that, I'd be like, oh, okay. It's very so- party pooper, you know, like. Yeah, you know, it's like a wet blanket. Did that announcement do anything to make you guys feel safe? Because I thought that was the intention, right? PM Lee actually said the intention behind it is to provide relief. Doesn't that come with with the context of we want you to feel included, we want you to feel safe? For us, right, to be honest, like for queer people, like we obviously know that if the announcement is made, there'll be pushback. But even when there's no announcement, there's also pushback already. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think regarding um this whole idea of protection uh, of marriage and the family unit, I fully agree with you, Mian. Like 
I think the framing and the phrasing of protection will sort of mean that like queer individuals are something to be protected against. When you frame it like that, you sort of insinuate that queer people just magically apparate. We're going to come here and wreck your marriages. Like now that we can be like, we're not criminals, we're going to wreck your marriages. Like that was the idea that I got. Going back to um, Elliot's favourite like place right on FB. Yeah. Like there was so much like comments about like guys just wanting to have anal sex. And then I was a bit like, um, if y'all are thinking about it, like y'all might want to just reconsider some things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that no straight men can enjoy anal sex, but also like there were a lot of comments about like, oh my god, what would this do? Blah blah blah. It was like, oh my god. There was a lot of things happening. Um, yeah. This is a lot more about them than it says about... Yeah, We've been talking a lot uh, internally amongst like the community groups about these quote-unquote trade-offs, right? Like this whole idea of protecting marriage and like the family unit, it's it just sort of removes the fact that like queer people also got families also. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You already a part of a family, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes I think like, where do you think we come from? We don't just magically apparate, you know? You know, like those Chinese myths you got born out of the rock. It doesn't happen as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's this whole othering that happens about like, oh, that if you are yeah, here, yeah. You, you don't have family or like, you are not like an ideal family, right? Because it's a public narrative now, right? Like the fact that it's something little bit more legal within the eyes of the law actually it does help some of the older generations kind of like wrap their head around it right because akong uh, say so it does change something about the way they frame their worldview i mean i mm. i grew up with pretty traditional grandparents and for them it's like you know lee kuan yu is their hero you know like he's the equivalent <laughs> of yeah like lee kuan yu is better than their father kind of like generation <laughs> so when when the law changes something it does affect them at, even at a personal level and they can reshape their own narrative because of that. I think that that's a major step for some people who, I, I'm not to say don't think for themselves, right? But also follow the ebb and flow of what society deems as like okay or not okay. Um, like back, back then, I know my grandmother, I guess this is a very like, it's just an allegory for it, but my grandmother was very much against handphones because she was like, you know, handphones are bad. You stop spending screen time on this thing. Uh, talk to people later. Next time you cannot find girlfriend or whatever because you <laughs> could not talk to them, you know? But then now my grandmother only uses her handphone, like play slots on it la, or like, yeah. Now I'm like, you know, when you were younger, you used to tell me this, she's like, yeah, but times have changed. Everyone accepts it now. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit easier for her to wrap her head around it. So I hope that kind of, this kind of, of availability of, of public knowledge, you know, or the announcement in itself can provide a ease of access for people who generally tend to be quite stubborn about things to adopt something new or to mm. reshape their, themselves. This is the reason why we do SG Explain, right? It's, it's to sort of interrogate a lot of beliefs that we have. It's to actually ask ourselves, like, why are we so obsessed with this idea of family and this idea of marriage? And if we choose to be so obsessed, right, for whatever reasons, why are we not consistent, right? Like, why are we not attacking adultery the same way? Or why are we not attacking people who do stuff like, you know, watch pornography, right? Someone could, I mean, the Bible and stuff. Oh, please don't thank you for that, man. Like, come on. You're <laughs> 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 persecuted to the stick, bro. Like. The truth is there's a lot of scholarship already about why the LGBTQ community specifically gets vilified. I mean, a lot of it has to do with notions of, like, you know, cleanliness and and other ring as, as Gabriel already mentioned. It was useful to interrogate that with the repeal, right? A lot of people said, I'm not comfortable. And when people ask, okay, say more, say why you're not comfortable. It's like open therapy, right? <laughs> if anything, it's a useful 
opportunity for us to ask more questions uh, about a lot of beliefs that we have. I don't know. Maybe I might get slammed for saying this, but I think we tend to take every little bit of news like a little too personally. Like I think people who are not in the community, to be honest, we are privileged that we can live our lives not seeing ourselves as criminals because it's just always been that way. But if you are on the other side of the fence, just take a moment to think about how these people have had to live their lives with legalities that literally criminalize you instead of just taking it like, oh, like, oh, okay, so you have this. So now it's going to be my problem. Like, it's my problem that that you can live a fuller life. Like that to me, just, I can't wrap my head around that. And I think like, the the only way forward, I guess, for any sort of change, right, is to continue practicing an open mind and like understanding and 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 having empathy. You know that your life is is not anyone else's, and vice versa. And it also comes down to respect, right? Like, yeah, why does it offend 100%. you that they can now walk around feeling, human you know, good about sure. themselves? And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah security <laughs> is is a human right, bro. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, that was Charmian's hot take. Get in the comments, guys. Slam. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe let's talk about about next steps, right? So I think one of the key things to do is, of course, interrogate all our beliefs and all this sorts of stuff. But, you know, uh, Gabriel, based on folks you've been talking to, based on Young Heart here, what what would you say are some of the next steps that uh, folks around you are taking? Because there's been a lot of fanfare and, like, there's a lot of animosity um, leading up to the debate and, I guess, the NDR, right? I think just personally, everybody just needs to breathe, (laughs) (laughs) Take a chill pill. Take a chill pill, like both ends. Just take a breather first. Like, I, I mean, I fully understand, you know, mounting tensions, there's a lot of backlash and I don't want to make it sound very insidious, but I know like from the uh, the opposite end, um, the people that are providing the pushback, they are also mobilizing, you know, to make sure that like some things that they don't want to happen for us doesn't happen. But I think for the queer community, I think just breathe, you know, and acknowledge that we've come so far since the days of like the entrapments and the barries. And it's, to be honest, it's not very long ago. It's about maybe like, what, 20, 25 years. So I think I recently saw like a Twitter post that goes back to what I mentioned just now, right? Like if you think about the older queer people that were in that era where like when they were partying and then there were barries, right? I don't even think like in their headspace, they quite have fathomed this whole idea of repealing 377A and they would have thought that, you know, this is the way that they would have to lead their life for the rest of their life. The repeal is such a monumental step towards something even larger. Different people, different lived experiences, hence different priorities. And I don't really want to represent or I can't really fully say like, like what would be the next big step for the community because I think everybody wants different things. But I think at least on Young Out Here's part and for the youth that come to us, I think education would be the next big thing to tackle because um, alongside, you know, we provide more resources for parents of queer youth to better understand and support them, yeah. you know, so that they themselves can craft that support system and that safe space for their kids. I think that's super important. Like on a tangent, personally, if you ask me, uh, like <laughs> what I want is like housing. I also want like to leave Singapore. I was <laughs> just going to say that. I was just going to say that like if if anything, uh, housing should be one of those big things on the menu because it's got money involved. Uh, like Singaporeans, are, are regardless of what your sexual allegiance is, we all love housing, okay? Yes, <laughs> <It's> correct. <a> <laughs> 
I think like I also want to live the Singaporean dream of having my, you know, like BTO <laughs> room and then like, you know, design this <laughs> post on Facebook. Like that's the, that's the dream, right? Yeah. Buy resale, get grants. Come Correct. on. Like I also want like, that is okay. In my head personally, that's, that's on my mind now, you know, like yeah, I for mean, sure, for sure. with regards to like redefining marriage and adoption and all these things, right? Like it's not something that I'm considering at the moment, but I do want the option to be there for the people who want it now. Of course, you know, it's always better to be able to say no to something that do not have the option to to be right at the at the start, right? For queer people in particular, I think right now we can dream a little bit bigger for the futures, especially after the review, which is nice. Lah. One of the things I really admire about people like you who are activists in, in particular, and also for those who are part of minority groups and you're fighting for your causes, is that one of the common narrative threads is that you still think about others along the way. It's not just about your yeah. fight. It's about it's about the fight of a collective and, and putting other people's needs. I, I feel like sometimes that if we ever had to find a way to empathize, right? Even if you weren't, let's say right now you're, you're a listener and you really, really are against this entire repeal. One way you can look at, at someone else is just like, wow, the, the fact that they, are other, they have other-centeredness is a very respectable human quality. It's a very powerful trait that we all should learn regardless of, of where we are, who we are, uh, despite our privileges and whatnot. So yeah, just very touching la, when I hear people who are like already fighting their own cause, then they go, yeah, but other people also suffering. Then you are, wow, heart very soft already at this point in time. Truth be told, there is enough space for everybody at the table. Just because like someone has more space doesn't mean that there's a lack of space for someone else, right? Uh, can we just print this on a t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, bro, I love like, exactly what you said because I think adding on to your point of like taking a breather, right? That we need to kind of acknowledge that there's a process for renorming our current state, right? So one of the biggest sort of contentions mounted by a lot of religious groups, and, and to some extent, I think if we take a bit more. If you, if you are a bit generous, I think you can you can understand it. Is that things are moving too fast for them? Like, oh, one day you know I was used to this kind of thing, and then now all of a sudden my whole world has changed, right? So I think as long as people can feel like they're on that journey together and that they're being heard, there is some justification for renorming. Having said that, I think we're also in that space where where people are starting to to be more open to listen, right? I think. There was a Straits Times survey done, and I don't have the data on me. The Straits Times survey basically asked people, like, you know, what's your views on, on the repeal? And the largest proportion was actually people who said it doesn't really affect me, <laughs> right? Uh, the the, the between people who were like, I'm pro this or I'm against this was actually a minority in totality. That's good news, lah. That's good news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it means that, first of all, the proportion to engage is not that big. Uh, and secondly, it also means that, uh, to some extent, if you were to allow that renorming, actually having the conversation on on redefining norms is is not that much of an uphill battle. Because I was talking to Ben before this, and then this whole idea of renorming came up, right? So, um, I think Ben was just saying that, and I think it's a very nice, succinct quote from him. He says that change is uncomfortable, and it's def- and there will definitely be discomfort because you're being asked to re, I guess, re-challenge what you view and how you view things, right? But I think it's important to remember that this is for the people who need it the most. Ideally, we can get through everything with minimal harm. And then the people that stand to benefit the most from the repeal 
will get Actually the benefit. Actually do. Mm, right, exactly. Maybe just to pull out some st- stats that Ben also shared with me, right? Like in religious settings, at least uh, 50% of queer youth still don't feel comfortable sharing about their soji, which is sexual orientation and gender identity. There's still work to be done in those areas. So I think like when we have conversations around sexuality or gender and things like that in those settings, right? Especially in religious settings. The main thing is just to like, again, open up the space and listen, you know? Everything that's comfortable right now was once uncomfortable. Mm. So it has to start somewhere. And I'm just glad that, you know, we are taking that, that, step in the right direction. When you have a conversation with someone and holding space for someone, it's not about who you are, or where you come from. It's just it's just being there and being present. And I think that's something anyone can do. There's so many resources available, right? Like for anybody to find out more about how to better support queer people, what sort of things they're going through. And I'm hoping that with the repeal, like it opens up those doors for them. On an on a systemic level, um, I know what MOE stance is because it was also reviewed shortly after the NDR. But I hope that at least again engagements with various stakeholders stay open, you know, and that they are willing to listen to the people like, in building a more inclusive Singapore. Not just for recognized individuals, but for everybody who wants to call themselves Singaporean. How how do you think families now that this news is out, how do you think families can support, you know, the, an individual who is Queer. This is something that we talk about very often um, in the support group setting for YOH. I think when you come out to people, especially for queer people, it's important. I know that we all want that acceptance and that love, right? Because we've been staved of it for so long. But it's important to remember that when we come out, like the news that we are sharing, we are essentially unloading onto your parents or like your siblings. So I think it's okay if let's say like they need to take some time off just to like recalibrate and be like, because it is a heavy stone that you've been carrying for so long. I mean, like for a lot of queer people, the full acceptance comes very late in life because you struggle with a lot of things early on in your formative years, right? In terms of how families can support their LGBTQ plus children or loved ones, like what Mia mentioned just now, just checking in, being present, next best thing to do because I think there's just been a lot of conversations publicly leading up to the NDR and the parliamentary parliamentary debates. And it's super toxic and invalidating. So I think just checking in, like saying, hey, how are you? Like, um, is everything okay? Like, do you want to talk about it? Things like that. Simple things, you know? And there's something, it's just, I feel like it's just an act of like humaneness. It's just reaching out your hand and say like, hey, are you okay? You know, things like that would be the, would have the most impact. Thank you so much for sharing today, Gabriel. I, I know I say this about a lot of episodes and I hope none of the other guests <laughs> who are listening to this take offense. But it was such an enlightening experience sitting at this virtual table and talking to you about this. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and even more so the insights from an organizational level, how you're helping uh, so many of our youth out there. Thank you guys for providing the space. Um, We are always happy to talk to people who are happy to listen. So we can't do this alone, right? We work in larger societies, so it's always nice to see each other like reaching hands out you know to one another and then just yeah. elevating it when we can so super thankful for the opportunity it's been great talking to you guys as well super fun the, I think I cried three times in this episode already so it's a <laughs> but you cry at everything so how credible <laughs> is that shut up man shut up okay. it's good to have emotions it's good <laughs> <laughs>
uh, whoever is listening to this, like queer or not, I just want you to know, like you're bigger than your sexuality, and like there's so much to your identity, and I don't want anybody to forget that. Like, don't forget that you're a multifaceted person, mm-hmm. as with every human being is. So never let anything else overshadow what you believe is true about you. And that's just something I like want to leave everyone who's listening to this episode today. Thank you for that. One of the commonalities if you talk to people who may be against the repeal or may have a, a lot of issues with it, uh, is that they've not really talked to someone uh, who is LGBTQIA+, right? And I think the, the thing is, once you start talking to them and you realize everyone is the same in, in a lot of ways, right? Everyone's the same, everyone experiences similar struggles. Most of the time, the number one issue is cost of living, right? <laughs> Sexuality. It's like, frankly, like number two or three on their list of stuff. Right? All of us want inflation to go down. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> things that are common then make us different. And actually, at the end of the day, we just got to talk more. And I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. I'm really hoping that folks who listen to this who may have had some discomfort, feel free to reach out to some of the folks in your community or talk to people to learn more, right? Have sort of a genuine interest to to understand and I think that will take you a long way. No matter who you are, you GST applies the same. <laughs> the inflation will affect you so the true. same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a great commonality. Thank you so much for being here today, Gabriel. And we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back with a new one in two weeks. So thank you so much for your support. We'll see you guys. Well, we'll talk to you guys soon. Take, take care. care. Bye. Bye. Bye.